Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. When the Packers first hired Matt LaFleur, I asked him a very important question. I asked him if he had seen the movie Dodgeball, because the main character is Peter LaFleur. I have seen the movie Dodgeball. Okay. I was waiting for somebody to reference this. And the reason I bring that up is because Dodgeball is a true underdog story. But now, for the first time this season, the Packers are not an underdog. Now they're the favorites. So this would be like the sequel. How will Lafleur's team handle it? Get your popcorn ready. It's like they just beat Globo Jim, the Chiefs. Now can the average Joes stay on top? They saved average Joes Jim, like the Packers have saved their season. They beat the big bad Globo Jim, which I guess would make Andy Reid White Goodman. W H I T. E, Matt LaFleur, of course, is Peter LaFleur. Is this the beginning of something special, or is this just a feel-good underdog story and, and that's it? Can they handle being the favorite? Will LaFleur's team continue to dominate the world of dodgeball or football? I'm anxious to see how the Packers handle not being an underdog for the first time this season. It's the youngest team in the league. By the way, here was Lafleur's full answer from when we interviewed him here on The Fan after they hired him, and he confirmed that he has indeed seen the movie Dodgeball. No relation to Vince Vaughn's character, Peter Lafleur, though. Glad I got the bottom, to the bottom of that right away. I have seen the movie Dodgeball. Okay. I was waiting for somebody to reference this. <laughs> All right. So no relation to Peter LaFleur? You know, it's funny. When, when I used to coach camps um, back when I was a college coach at, shoot, I might have been up at Northern Michigan University is when that movie, you know, about the time that movie came out. And I used to tell all the little kids that, uh, you know, I was related to Peter LaFleur. They thought that was pretty cool. For the first time all season, jokes aside, the Packers go into a stretch now, the quote-unquote soft part of the schedule. For the first time, they go into a stretch where they're seen as the favorite. Never before now has that been the case. It's really shocking how much the conversation has shifted, isn't it? I mean, ever since the offseason, they've been the team with no expectations whatsoever. But everything's different now. After you beat the Lions on Thanksgiving, you follow it up with the win over the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Now everyone's looking at the rest of the schedule with serious expectations. It's uncharted territory. The Packers have the easiest remaining schedule in the National Football League. We've reached the point where we can say with a straight face that the Packers should win these games. From now until the end of the regular season, they're the favorite. They're no longer the underdog. And obviously that's a good thing, let's be real. I mean, they earned the right to be looked at like that, but 
It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I tend to think that being such a young team will help keep them level-headed because they don't know any better. Then again, the entire season has been such a roller coaster. Who really knows? They just surprised everybody by beating the Lions and the Chiefs, the tough part of the schedule. That was a pleasant surprise. Now they're hitting the soft part of the schedule. No more surprises, please. Now, on paper, they're about to begin the soft part of the schedule. On paper, they just completed the tough part of the schedule. But Jordan Love says nothing changes with the approach. Man, we approach it the same way. Um, obviously, we, we take it one week at a time. We give all of our focus to whoever we got that week. Um, and we, we, we give everybody respect. You know, we don't, we don't doubt anybody or, or, you know, take a game off or anything like that. We, we give everybody respect and just take it that one game at a time. Um, and, and our mindset is just to focus and go win every week. I mean, the last week in October, they lose to the Vikings. They fall to 2-5. and five. So they came into the month of November at 2-5. and five. We're staring at a top-five pick. Love said they don't need to be reminded of where they were and how far they've come. They know what approach they have to take. they got to win every game. But they're no longer the underdog. They are now the favorite. Here's more from Jordan Love. No, I mean, I don't even know if guys even notice that. Um, you know, obviously that's something that we don't have any control of. Um, you know, we just we focus on who we got this week. Uh, we, don't, we don't really look at who the underdog is or anything like that. We just focus on going and winning. I mean, you just start to think ahead, and obviously the Packers can't. Matt LaFleur has been adamant about that, taking it one step at a time, and that's a good thing because it wasn't all, it seems like a long, it wasn't all that long ago that they were two and five, and no one was even sniffing the playoffs. But you start to think ahead, considering they are the favorite in every game from here on out, and how, in so many ways, how quickly the conversation changed. Are they really about to finish this season on an? what would be an eight-game winning streak. They're going to win out. They're going to win their last five. They've already won three. God, would that be something. I mean, I say all the time, sports remind us all the time that we don't know nearly as much as we think we do. Like, we're numb to being surprised. That's what's awesome about about sports. But this has been shocking in a good way so far. More from love, more on love when we come back. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't like in a company, and I don't know like how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah, and like Jay Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah, yeah. To that, remind me not to quote any hip hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. When you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Have you heard Jordan Love is lighting it up lately? Yes. Yes, you have. And Jordan Love's confidence is at an all-time high right now, as is the confidence of Packer Nation in Jordan Love. They say numbers never lie, but numbers are often pretty indicative of 
telling the true story where things are at when it comes to sports. And over the past three games against the Chargers, Lions, and Chiefs, Jordan Love is completing 68.5% of his passes. He's averaging 285.7 passing yards per game. Eight touchdowns, no picks. Passer rating of 116.9. And I looked this up yesterday just to give you an idea of where those numbers would stack up if they held up throughout the course of the entire season, which obviously they haven't. But Love over the last three weeks, 285.7 yards per game would put him right on par with Tua, who's having, I don't want to say an MVP caliber season, but kind of that, that offense is the most explosive in football. And it feels like Tua's throwing for 300 yards every week. So 285.7, that's right around what Tua's averaging on the season. This is over Love's last three games. Love's 68.5% completion rate is better than Patrick Mahomes on the season. Eight touchdowns, no picks, and then his passer rating would be tops in the league, just better than Brock Purdy, whose passer rating, I believe, is 116.1. He's having a really good year, Brock Purdy, the favorite most places to win MVP right now, which is crazy because have you heard that Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft last season? He was Mr. Irrelevant. A lot of people forget that. Anyway, Jordan Love's killing it lately, and this past month or so, this hot streak right now has done a lot for his confidence. Don't take it from me, take it from him. Yeah, it's done a lot, obviously. Um, Just to get rolling and get back on a a win streak right now has been huge just for the team um, and for myself, but um, I think more than anything, it's just giving us that confidence um, and let's go out there and play free, play fast, but uh, obviously, I think things are starting to come together for us, and we're executing plays and just playing at a high level right now. Now, one development recently that has definitely sparked the offense is Matt LaFleur, the head coach and play caller. You may have heard of him. No relation to Peter LaFleur, Vince Vaughn's character from Dodgeball, which, again, I I broke that story back when the Packers hired him in January of 2019. You are welcome. Matt LaFleur has given Jordan Love some freedom at the line of scrimmage, some autonomy at the line of scrimmage with can calls. They have one play called, and if Love thinks he can get him into a better look, they can go with the run play. He can change the play at the line. Maybe not as much freedom as one Aaron Rodgers once had, but LaFleur has given Love some freedom at the line of scrimmage. Here's Matt LaFleur on that recent development. I just think it kind of naturally happened, and, you know, it it happens in practice, and you don't necessarily talk about something and he does it and it's like oh I was well done it's just you got to have a reason for everything you do and I think just the more that he's put into certain situations it, the more trust he's earned he's earned that respect and that trust um, and you know I do think it's been a benefit for him being around here for a couple of years and uh, seeing seeing Aaron do some of that that stuff and then learning from that uh, but ultimately, he, when he's had to go out there and do it, um, he's done a great job with it and uh, got us in and out of some bad plays the other night and put us into some good protection situations that ne- not weren't necessarily uh, talked about, but he saw a certain look, and um, that gives us a lot of confidence as a coaching staff that you know if you don't always have to be perfect because I know. As a play caller, you'd always like to have the perfect play call or have the perfect can on a play. And um, 
certainly when it's not that and you have a guy that can can get it right then that is that's a huge advantage the offense has undoubtedly been opened up they've taken the training wheels off Jordan Love off the offense and I think back early in the season former Packers backup quarterback Kurt Benkert who's still really active on Twitter he was talking about Lafleur and his coaching style and he's just essentially saying that this needed to happen that they needed to let Jordan Love be Jordan Love give him more freedom open up the offense now I'm not saying that Lafleur was wrong for not doing it early in the season because Lafleur had his reasons why, and he's forgotten more football offensively than most of us will ever know, myself included. So I'm sure there's a, a method to Lafleur's madness. But point being, throughout the course of the season, like Lafleur said, Love has earned that trust, earned that freedom, and we're seeing the results of it. Not that Love's always making the right decision, just like Lafleur's not always making the right play call, but it looks a heck of a lot better now than it did. And with giving the quarterback more freedom at the line, Lafleur says that just adds yet another layer to the offense. Yeah, I think and that's all of us kind of growing together, I would say. Having really good conversations, learning from past experiences, and then making adjustments along the way. But, you know, he, he puts a lot of time and effort into this thing, and uh, I think he's got a really good grasp of what we're trying to get accomplished, sometimes without us even telling him. And um, that's a credit to him. And it's a credit to him, meaning Lafleur, for recognizing that and not turning this into a, a tug of war of competition of like this is my I want it to this way run my play, dang it. There's got to be push and pull, give and take, and that seems like a duh. They're in the NFL. They're big boys. They're grown ups. Yeah, not always that easy though. Meanwhile, there's no secret, right? There's no substitute for experience, and the more experience that Jordan Love has gotten, the more he has played, the better the offense has looked. Here is QB1, Jordan Love. You know, I think the more, obviously, like I've said, the more reps I've got, the more confident I get. Um, And obviously that's just progressing through this thing and just understanding that I can make all these throws and trusting my guys that they're going to go up there and get it. Trusting that guys are going to go up there and get it, that is another big part of this recent improvement for the offense. Not only is Love better, but let's face it, his receivers have been substantially better recently than they were early in the season. I mean, let's go back a month. They weren't going up and making plays for him. And I remember talking about that at the time, not trying to apologize for Love, but when people were talking about Love's deep ball, part of deep ball accuracy or success is the receivers holding up their end of the bargain if it's a 50 50 ball you're you're a wide receiver your job is to receive catch passes go make plays and they're doing more now you're seeing christian watson most notably now he's hurt of course but christian watson romeo dobbs guys making contested catches and that's been a big deal also took a while no doubt but we've seen a lot of progress from Jordan Love's young receivers. Now, obviously, it's been a work in progress with the entire offense, right? The receivers are so young. They had two quote-unquote veterans, leaders in the room, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, and then Samori Toure, of course, same draft class, but Toure barely played last year, and frankly, he's barely played this year. But when your most veteran receivers coming into the season were Watson and Dobbs and neither of them played 50% of the snaps last year as rookies, that just tells you everything you needed to know about how young this receiving core was, right? 
They draft Jaden Reed in the second round. And you could tell the framework of the receiving core was that big three. Right? Second-year receiver Christian Watson, second-year receiver Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, the second-round pick, the the most significant investment in that position this offseason. Reed steps into the slot. That's your trio, Watson, Dobbs, and Reed. But fortunately for the Packers, they've also gotten a boost, maybe more than they expected or hoped, from two other rookies. Of course, Dontavian Wicks, fifth-round pick out of Virginia. He looks legit. I think he's going to be around for a long time. And then Malik Heath, the undrafted rookie out of Ole Miss by way of Mississippi State on both sides of that rivalry. The Packers signed him as an undrafted rookie, put up good numbers in the SEC, but he goes undrafted. And both guys, Wicks and Heath, have kind of just forced the Packers' hand, forced their way onto the field, and both of them have made the most of their opportunities. Here's Jaden Reed, the second-round pick, the guy that the Packers clearly were counting on coming into the year. Jaden Reed on what Malik Heath brings to the table as an undrafted rookie. Man, he's a dog, and, you know, he can go out there and make plays just like anybody else out there. Um, Malik, you know, I, I seen it when he first got here at rookie minicamp, you know, the way he moved, run his routes. You know, he just got that, you know, competitive edge to him. You know, he always bringing energy and juice out there. You know, anytime you see him make a play, man, like he bringing the juice, so... Uh, you can just tell he loved ball, man. You know, he's a playmaker. I love football terms, like bringing juice. Someone said that about, who was it? Tucker Craft said that about A.J. Dillon recently, I think, that he's a, he's one of those guys that brings his own juice, and guys feed off that. And then there's the term war daddy, which is one of Matt LaFleur's favorites. War daddy, or goon. LeFleur often used those terms to describe Alan Lazard when he was a Packer. Now he's a Jet, and he's been inactive on game day. Healthy scratch at times. Anyway, Lazard obviously was a difference maker as a blocker. You think receiver, you think pass catcher, but Lazard was a, a pretty dominant blocker as well in the running game. And LaFleur would use the term war daddy to describe Alan Lazard. Now, Malik Heath, ever since the Packers brought him in, Malik Heath has shown some of the same ability to, to make a difference in the block. Heck, he just blocked up Khalil Mack a few weeks ago. That was, that was what? This undrafted rookie receiver blocking Khalil Mack? He, that happened. He did that. And Matt LaFleur says that Malik Heath fits the description of a war daddy. For those who may have been curious, yeah, he's been great. Yeah, I think he's he he constitutes a war daddy. Uh, he he brings great energy and a physical presence to that position that I think is you know can kind of shape your offense in a different light. But as far as in the building, off the field, he's been awesome. Man, I've got I got no complaints. He comes in every day with a smile on his face and just gets to work. And I think you've seen a lot of growth in him, just in his ability to, within game, you know, move him around a little bit, you know, play different positions. That wasn't necessarily the case earlier in the year, I would say. And we've we've flipped him between the X and the Z, and he's done a really nice job with that. And it is crazy to me. I still go back to rookie minicamp, and you're always, I'll speak for myself, I'm always unsure what to talk about leaving practice in the spring because they're not in pads. And at rookie camp, it's just rookies there. 
So you're like, okay, well, this guy made a catch, but how much do I really want to talk about it? Because then people are, oh, Marcus, calm down. It's only, you know, they're not even in pads yet and it's still early. Not that I really care when people say that. But anyway, Malik Heath early on, I think it was that right after rookie camp, because rookie camp, everybody's getting reps, right? So it must have been mini camp or OTAs. And they split up on both sides of the field. Like the ones were on one side and some of the top backups. And then the the backup backups were on the other side. And Malik Heath, as an undrafted rookie receiver, was with the ones. And that was just crazy to me. It's like, okay, so they saw something in him that early that they were like, okay, this guy can play for us. I mean, that's just, it's crazy. And to think that had they known what they'd get in Malik Heath, they would have drafted him. The guy goes undrafted, but just a couple months after they pick him, and you could already tell right away they had plans for him. Now, recently he's gotten on the field more. He was a, he wasn't playing a whole lot, much at all, on offense to start the season. Really, his biggest game of the season, his only big game of the season, was on Thanksgiving against the Lions. He caught four passes for 46 yards. Had the drop last week against the Chiefs, but bounced back with a nice catch and run as well right after that. And Jordan Love, the QB, says he's seen some significant improvement from Malik Heath over the past month. Yeah, no, Malik, he's been doing a great job um, since he's been here. I think just the way he approaches it every week, um, he's been getting better. And then obviously now we're able to see his, his playmaking ability, his hands. Um, and then obviously he's been doing a really good job in the run game, just being that aggressive wide receiver that's out there blocking, um, putting his head in there. So he's been doing a great job. And obviously he's the guy that's been improving every week. And uh, now we're able to see it on the field. And obviously Love has had to develop his chemistry, his confidence, his his faith, I guess, in the young receivers. I just had a flashback to last season with Aaron Rodgers working with all the young receivers and how many times we talked about, well, they got to gain his confidence. If Rodgers doesn't trust you, he's not giving you the ball. And that's true about every quarterback, but I feel like we talked about it way more with Rodgers because he was Aaron Rodgers. So when did Jordan Love truly begin to trust these young receivers? Here's a few minutes with the Packers franchise quarterback, Jordan Love. Yeah, I think it's something that's progressed throughout the season. Like, I've always trusted these guys, but I think just now that we're clicking, we're making those plays, I think it's coming a lot easier. Um, and obviously just trust myself with the reads, um, trust myself, just let the ball rip kind of is uh, improved. After the game Sunday night, you said something that kind of surprised me when you said, I've had this one circled for a while mm-hmm. because, you know, you're so focused at the task at hand you know, for the last two, three years. But that one seemed to be the one that you had a little bulletin board. I mean, do you are there little things like that for your own self motivation? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's always little things like that to motivate you. Um, obviously, just for me, just having that be my first NFL start, um, didn't get the outcome I wanted, didn't play the way I wanted. So that's why I say that. That's why I've had that game circled, wanted to you know play these guys again and and uh, have a different result. Against Detroit, big play, momentum early. Against these guys the other night, opening drive, momentum. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see offense get the ball, keep that thing going? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's something that uh, is will be key. I mean, obviously the way we started going forward is something that we want to keep going, uh, keep starting the game that way, put these long drives together, coming away with points. But uh, 
I mean, whether we get the ball or not, I think it's just the way we start that opening drive um, and coming away with points is going to be crucial. Jordan, you talked about your progression. What about in terms of cam calls? Was that the most that you've done this season on Sunday night? Oh, I'm not. Felt sh- like it. I'm not sure about that. Um, okay. To be honest, um, something that I, I mean, sometimes there are, are cans that go unnoticed when we don't have to can the play, things like that. So, um, you know, we always go into it a week with a good amount of can plays, just trying to get in the the perfect look. But uh, I'm not sure if that was the most or not. So I asked Matt about it just now, and he was talking about how he's doing a better job of trusting you to do that and giving you that freedom. What is that? What does that mean to you? I mean, you talk about the progression, but that, that seems like a pretty meaningful milepost in a young quarterback's development that the coach has given you more free reign, more trust, more belief. Is that, am, I, am I wrong about that? Do you feel that same way? No, I, def- I definitely feel like that. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it um, is just being able to have, a obviously, a head coach, a play caller that uh, believes and trusts in me um, to be able to you know give me a little bit more freedom at the line, freedom with the play calls, um, and just he- him trust me that I'm going to get us to the right play. Um, I think that's huge. But, I mean, I think just this whole thing, I mean, having the trust of the whole locker room, um, coaching staff, I think all of that plays a part in it and it's huge and it helps me you know have the confidence to go out there and, and do what I do. Maybe this is obvious, but what is the advantage of having that in your toolbox more so than before. Like, being able to change something at the line of scrimmage, how does that change the dynamic when you're able to do that? Yeah, I think, if anything, it just gives us the ability to get to the right play. If we see a look that is favorable for a certain play, to be able to get out of it, um, get us to the perfect play, I think it just helps. Um, obviously, there's a lot of more thinking that goes into it, a lot more on your plate, pre-snap. So, um, you know, it's all part of that process, just getting my mind right for the game, understanding what looks, um, you know, what plays we like it for. So. And the guys around you are better with it, too. Yeah, every, every part of it is something that, you know, we practice throughout the week. Um, we all got to be locked in a doubt in for, for those changes at the line. Two more for Jordan. How do you think you handled the blitz on Sunday? And it seemed like it was good. And do you feel like that's like, along with the rest of the passing game has, has been on the climb as far as that part of the game goes? Um, yeah, I think we did some good things against it. Um, obviously, a couple of our touchdowns came against some pressure. Um, and just going into this game, we knew you know the first time we played them, that was a lot of what their pl- plan was was to pressure us. So um, you know, I think we had a good job of just handling it, picking it up, scoring some points on it, um, and then obviously it goes back to them if they want to do it again. So. Do you have a sense of what's the biggest difference between the team you're going to face Monday night and the one you guys faced here in London? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a similar team. They got a lot of guys back, um, you know, same defense coordinator. Um, but it's a really good team, really good defense. Um, you know, they do a lot of really good things. So, um, obviously, lost the game last year. So, you know, we're ready to get back after it. Yeah, you remember last year, last October, the Packers finally made their trip to London, the last team to go over to London to play a regular season game. They go over there, they're up big, they blow the lead, they lose to the Giants, and poof goes their season. That literally was the beginning of the end for their season a year ago. A lot has changed since then, but same coordinator, Wink Martindale, and it's going to be yet again another pressure-packed Defense. Wink Martindale's defense blitzes the second most in the NFL behind only the Minnesota Vikings. We got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more Packers. We'll talk some Badger football as well, their bowl game. We'll look ahead to that. And also, once upon a time, I tweeted that I was sure that the Badgers would be a lot better this year. Men's basketball will be a lot better this year than last year. And Zach Heilprin 
from the zone in Madison tweeted me back a GIF, which ba- and yes, it's pronounced GIF. It's not GIF because the guy who invented the GIF says it's pronounced GIF, like the peanut butter. So pfft. Zach sent me a GIF that said, basically, mm, I'm not sure about that or something along those lines, which I interpreted as Zach saying, no, Marcus, you're wrong. The Badgers will suck. Well, guess what? The Badgers have won six in a row. They just beat Marquette last weekend. They just won at Michigan State. They look pretty good. They're in the top 25 right now, although it's not going to be easy looking ahead because tomorrow they go on the road to take on the top team in the country, Arizona. The pessimist Zach Heilprin joins me next. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Joining us now to talk all things Badgers from the zone in Madison, he is Zach Heilprin. Zach, how are you doing today? Doing great. That's great to hear. So I don't remember if it was the Tennessee game or the Providence game, but I tweeted something about how the Pack or the Badgers were going to be better this year than last year, and you told me that they were going to absolutely suck again. I think that's what you said. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But seriously, though, Zach, the Badgers, they beat Marquette last weekend. They win at Michigan State. Michigan State doesn't look very good right now, but still, that's East Lansing. That's Tom, that's Tom Izzo. The Badgers look pretty good right now. Suddenly, they're in the top 25. You're going to try and dunk on me every time I come on your show, aren't you? Pretty much. That's what I, I figured. I figured. That's fine. If we went back and we actually looked at what was said, not on the on the tweet per se, but on the conversation we had the last the pre, the next week, it was I wanted to wait and see. I didn't want to buy in just because just because it's Greg Gard, just because it's the batters, usually because they get better. I wanted to wait and see. Um, and so far, what we've seen these last few weeks, ever since they went down to, to Fort Myers, really ever since the Providence game, they've been the Badgers that we kind of were hoping to see. I think, right, right. I mean, you have um, you you have them. It appears guys taking big steps. Tyler Wall hitting free throws. Stephen Crowell stepping out and, and hitting three pointers. I mean, you have guys that can break down players and get to the rim. And John Blackwell and and um, AJ Store. And it's just it, and Max Klesman going off for five threes and a half. Like all these little things that we didn't see against Providence. We, we didn't really get to see against Tennessee either. Um, they're just a completely different team. And obviously, things look a lot better when the ball go, is going in. But things look a lot better when the shots are easier to make. Instead of you know having to take contested shots all the time or shots outside, they're able to get inside and they're having a lot of success there too. So um, it is a uh, vastly improved group and quickly improving. And I would say as good as the offense has been defensively, they've been uh, much much improved from that Providence game as well, and, and even you know the early games too. No doubt. Zach Heilprin from the zone in Madison. And just for the people who are sarcasm illiterate, I'm, I mean, I'm not actually calling you out, Zach, and I know you know that, but our our conversation on Twitter that night was, like, I'm not, I wasn't saying the Badgers are, I wouldn't have predicted that they'd beat Marquette or that they'd win six in a row at the time. I wasn't saying they're going to the Final Four. I'm still not saying that, but I'll, I'll say this, and we said this since the beginning of the season, I know we see the same thing here. A.J. Storr makes a really, really big 
difference. I mean, I'm not going to stop using the pun AJ scorer because yeah. he's just instant offense. He's instant offense, and the thing about him hitting all those outside shots against Michigan State, it forces teams to come out and get him. Now, he was a, a solid three-point shooter last year. I don't know, and I this is kind of – I've said this a long time, and I, I get a lot of weird looks when I, when I say it. I kind of judge how good of a three-point shooter is based on how the bench reacts when the ball goes up. And <laughs> like, if, they, if they stand up, like they, the guy's a good three-point shooter. Uh, like They think the ball is going in all the time, and they I do that, that for AJ Store. They do that for AJ Store. They do it for Connor Asijan. They do it for Chucky Hepburn. Like there are certain guys on this team that you just know can hit three pointers, and when they stand up, it uh, it kind of gives you that impression that they believe in him that this ball is going in. And they do that with AJ Store. The ball goes up from three, and he had a really obviously he's he's uh, got such a dynamic ability to get inside that having that outside shot is just so difficult to defend because you're afraid of him going right by you and dunking it on your uh, on the center sitting behind you. So, yeah, it, he's he's been uh, obviously a great addition. And just like I mentioned, the team in general, defensively, he had a lot of things to grow up on and, and learn coming to Wisconsin, and he has taken a huge jump there too. It's it, it's pretty remarkable how quickly he has, he has come along on that end of the floor as well. No doubt about it. And then John Blackwell also. I mean, not the difference maker that Storr has been, but as far as a true freshman coming in, I don't know. I mean, I don't follow recruiting as closely as I once did as a kid when you're just checking like every day, ooh, who are they get five star, four star, three star, you know, all that stuff. But John Blackwell is a true freshman. I don't know. Like the last time they had a true freshman make a significant impact. I mean, I guess Chucky Hepper not all that long ago played as a true freshman, but I don't know. For John Blackwell has been a massive pleasant surprise so far just in terms of filling a role. Again, like a, he only knows one speed. He hus- he plays so hard, Zach. Yeah, unexpected. I think would be would be the word like the impact that he's had. And there was like a a point maybe eight or nine days before the season that Greg Gard wasn't really sure that he was that he was going to make uh, have a huge role this year. And then it, all of a sudden it turned on. And his offense has been pretty special. He had a in high school he had a couple of guys that scored around him, so he was kind of a facilitator more so than a guy that was going to go and fill it up. It's not that he couldn't. It just wasn't something that he was being asked to do a ton of. And so he got, he was kind of under the radar because of that. But we heard um, Tom Izzo last week talk about how, you know, we had him up to camp a couple times and, you know, you know, it's, that's those kind of misses are going to happen. Like you could tell that he was regretting that John Blackwell got out of the state of Michigan. So he, yes, has been uh, electric. And the, the thing about, I, I keep on going back to this, but if you're going to play early, when you're a young player, you have to be able to play defense, and he is so locked in on that end. It's yeah. Like it just—it's not even a surprise to see him be out there as much as he is. I mean, obviously, Nolan Winter's a true freshman too. He's got a little bit of a different body, and his defense has to come along a little bit. If he—if his defense was at a higher level, I think we'd be seeing more of him. But John Blackwell is, is playing much better defense, and and uh, his basketball instincts are so further along than you would expect from a freshman. I think that has a lot to do with his dad playing as much as uh, college basketball like he did at Illinois and was a really, really good player for the Illini in the 80s. and He certainly has learned a ton from him. No doubt been a fun start to the season for Badger basketball. Got to be the toughest non-conference schedule ever in program history. It's not going to get easier. They go at number one Arizona tomorrow. It's insane. And Caleb Love, former North Carolina player, he's there now. 
Yeah, that'll be a tough one tomorrow, Zach. It's a, I mean, it's a huge test. I mean, it's a huge test, right? Uh, Caleb Love's there. They got another transfer from uh, San Diego State. I think uh, Kishad Johnson. They they have, and then they have a couple seven footers that are, are going to be, be an issue as well. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, their coach. Their coach has uh, European connections. He was, at, I believe, he was at Gonzaga before, and kind of has brought that with him to um, to Arizona. So, yeah, it's, it's a huge test. And you talk about Wisconsin's schedule. Arizona's beaten Duke. Uh, they beat Michigan State. Michigan State was ranked at that time. After Wisconsin, they play Purdue, Alabama, and then Florida Atlantic before they go into conference play. So they're putting themselves out there a lot too. But I, I listened to Greg Gard. I think we talked about this earlier this year. I. I was like, why not just stack up wins, right? Like, get yourself to a different level of wins, and it'll be hard for the NCAA tournament to keep you out, as opposed to scheduling the way that they did. And Greg Gard kind of talked about it yesterday. He said that we were we needed to get an idea of who we were, and if we just roll up and down the floor against bad teams, that's not that's not a true test of who we are and what we're going to be. And right now, we're figuring out who we are. And I couldn't agree more at this point. I, mm-hmm. I, I think this tough schedule has been a blessing in that way that you're not going to go into the Big Ten all feeling great about yourself and get smacked in the face of like, hey, you're not that good. They got smacked in the face early in this campaign, figured out what they had to do differently, and uh, we've seen it these last six games. And tomorrow's obviously going to be a huge test, and I'm not overly confident they're going to go in there and win, but right. um, they've, they've learned a lot here in these first uh, eight games of the season, nine games of the season. Zach Heilprin talking Badgers. Zach from the zone in Madison. Let's talk Badger football real quickly on the bowl game. The expectation was they'd be going to Nashville against an SEC team. Instead, they're going to Tampa in the Relia Quest Bowl. I believe that's the old Outback Bowl against LSU of all teams. Kind of surprising on both fronts. Real quick, Zach. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was but it was based in large part because Alabama beat Georgia, and it kind of forced uh, some some reshuffling and allowed the Big Ten to get the ReliQuest Bowl back. Notre Dame was supposed to be going to it to face LSU. I think that was supposed to be the matchup, and then Wisconsin would go to, to uh, the Music City Bowl. But this, in, in this case, uh, the, the Big Ten got bumped up one, and everyone moved up one, and Wisconsin's a better draw than Northwestern and Rutgers and Maryland. And, so that's why they're down in Tampa for that game. And who knows who is even going to be playing in it at this point, right? Especially on the LSU side. If Jane Daniels is going to play, yikes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it, but otherwise, I mean, it's, it should be a, it should, I mean, it's a fun place to go to. And I'm sure the players will enjoy it. But I don't know about the game being all that interesting to me. Zach, the Packers beat the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. <laughs> hmm. Didn't see that. Well, I mean, shouldn't, I, shouldn't we say, I shouldn't say we didn't see that coming. We kind of talked about it. It was a possibility. Possibility last week. They went and did it. That was a, a bigger win, as we talked about last week, bigger win than what they did against Detroit on Thanksgiving, in my opinion. Especially for a guy like... So... Um, especially for a guy like Jordan Love. I mean, and he looked so good again, and now even the naysayers, the national people, are starting to take note of what Jordan Love's doing, and it's all good. They're certainly trending in the right direction. But what now, Zach? I mean, they're 6-6. Six and six. They hold a wild card spot right now. I know it's still early. It's only December, but, dude, I said it before. In sport, as a fan or someone who covers sports, we are, like, numb to being surprised. That's what makes sports great. We're surprised all the time. They remind us, like, every day on one level, that we don't know anything. Like, they are upsets all the time. 
this is different level though. This is shocking. Like they were two and five. We're all talking to yeah, well two and five, but it's not that big a deal. We just need to see progress. We're got to see growth, you know. And they're they're laying the foundation for the future. They're rebuilding and all that. And all of a sudden they just flip the switch. They they run the table in the difficult part of the schedule. Now they have the soft part of the schedule coming up. They're six and six, holding a playoff spot. It's like damn, they might mess around and do it. I mean, Jair Alexander sitting in the locker room. Who knows if he's actually going to play in any of these games, but he's sitting there saying that they, they may go the rest of the way. They may not lose another game. Um, I, would, that be a, would that be a bigger shock than what's happened in the last month if, if they were to do that? I don't think it would be. We were, we were, talking, about, we were talking about them potentially what, restarting the, the quarterback thing here, the, the, you know, going to a new quarterback, moving down from Jordan Love and, and going to a different quarterback. and. Now you're sitting here, and he's played the way he has the last month. Just remarkable, and I think Matt LaFleur obviously deserves a lot of credit there, but he is Love's just stepped up and been a, a guy that you think like you can maybe uh, count on for a long, long time, and this last five games will make a big difference into whether that actually ends up being the case, but I think I bought in. I think I may be all in on this one, though. Yeah, this is something. Zach, you're the best. Appreciate your time, as always, and we'll talk with you next week, okay? All right, sounds good, Marcus. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Zach Heilprin. Follow him on Twitter, at Zach Heilprin. Great stuff. What a fun season it's been. Wherever it goes from here, this is just, you got to love sports. Especially when things go well for the home teams. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.